Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root from Cardswire.com. The USA Today NFL wire site covers your Arizona Cardinals. Um, this is our third show of the week. It's our second preview show. Uh, and this is the one where we have a special guest. So without, rather than having Seth Cox on, which we did on our, on our show just yesterday, uh, this is episode 382. And I have a special guest, Max Loeb of the Believe in Browns podcast net, from the network over the Believe Network over there. We've had a couple of the Believe Network guys come on, Daniel Wilcox and Solomon Wilcox over the last few weeks, all, all AFC North guys. So we'll see if we can keep yeah. the ball rolling uh, right here. Max, thanks for coming on. How you been? Thank you for having me, Jess. I'm good. I'm excited for this game. It's going to be a, a good one, going to be entertaining. I'm fascinated to see who plays. I'm fascinated to see how this game turns Both out. Te- Teams playing a little cloak and dagger with the with the quarterback yeah. situation, and now the Cardinals have done this a couple of times this year. Even week one when they acquired Josh Dobbs, uh, like right before the season, Gannon actually said, "We think it's a competitive advantage to not announce who our starter was, even though that the that the that we all knew that it was going to be Joshua Dobbs, because um, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, why did they go if 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 they were, if they were going to go with Tune, why in the world did they go out and get him? Why would they have just kept Colt McCoy, whom they were obligated to pay two and a quarter million dollars anyway? Yeah. <laughs> so, but in, 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 in fairness, the Washington Commanders, the kind of the whole thing there is like they are not going to do any different prep. They're not prepping yeah. differently for Josh Dobbs <laughs> than Clayton Tune. Those are two, mm-hmm. and, and and Clayton Tune, rookie. Okay, they just do what they do. Josh Dobbs, two career starts since 2017. Also, also, um, yeah, they, they, there was, there's gonna, they weren't going to be doing anything significantly different. You guys, you, you have a little bit of perspective on Josh Dobbs having been there last year. What was, the, what was that? He is now a Minnesota Viking. Um, we, yeah. I, I was not thrilled by the trade in the beginning. I kind of think, well, why? Uh, he, he showed more than I thought. He would show for about three games, and we saw like I'm like that must that's his ceiling, and that's good. But then he also regressed and played kind of what I expected to see from him. Um, what was the feeling about Dobbs as a backup last year, and was it a surprise that we he was traded? I think the feeling last year was honestly I don't really think there was much of a feeling because I think. Everybody was, you know, you liked Jacoby Brissett as your starter last year, and you were just kind of waiting for Deshaun to come back, waiting for Deshaun to come back. There really was no other quarterback thought 
outside of those two guys. But coming into this season, like you thought, you thought Dobbs would be the serviceable guy. You really didn't think Watson would play terrible football to start the year, and you figured if we need to go to backup, Dobbs is okay. But a large reason he got traded was the play of Dorian Thompson Robinson in the preseason. Like he DTR came in, outplayed um, Kellen Mond for the third string role, and then eventually outplayed Josh or quote unquote outplayed. Played really well in the preseason. They they thought. We've seen so much of this Dorian Thompson-Robinson kid. He's got a lot of really good tools, a lot of upside. We could probably find a suitor for Josh Dobbs, load up a little bit in draft capital and move from there. And that's exactly what they did. I think the biggest reason they traded him was Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Um, but as you see, you know, when he started against Baltimore a few weeks ago, that didn't go well. They had to go a different direction to quarterback. So who knows if they made the right call there. Right. So so let's talk about that. What We don't know if, if Deshaun Watson is going to start. He, he returned to practice on Wednesday, but – What's kind of the feeling? Because Kyler pra- Kyler Murray is also practicing for the Cardinals, yeah. but and they're not saying it's going to be Kyler Toon. I am ninety eight percent certain that it's going to be Clayton <laughs> Toon starting the rookie, which is going to make for an interesting. And and I don't think they even activate Kyler this week. So I think it'll be Jeff Driscoll who's the backup, and they're going to wait till Monday or Tuesday to act- activate Murray to then play uh, at home against the Falcons. What what is the feeling yeah. about if it's is how likely is Watson going to play this week? I, I would say it's. Probably more unlikely than likely, but again, it's so, so up in the air. You never really know. He practiced again today, and he actually talked to the media today, and what he said oh. today was he uh, he felt like he, what did he say? He jumped the gun. I think those were his words. When he returned two weeks ago to the Colts, I think he knows it set him back even more, and he's waiting even more. And interesting with the Browns, after this week, they have a stretch of two divisional games uh, at Baltimore and then home against Pittsburgh. I think it's in that order. So, you know, if you're the Browns and you're Deshaun Watson, like, do you load up for the divisional games or do you try to rush back again and get any type of rust off of you? I don't know. And when you look at the Browns quarterback situation, it's not like P.J. Walker's done a bad job. But last week, especially, you see some of the limitations he has as a passer. He locks on to certain guys. He doesn't finish his progressions, things like that. So the Browns undoubtedly want to get Watson back because at his best, you know what you can do. And I think, honestly, we saw that uh, in the Tennessee game before he or he got injured in that game. We saw that in the Tennessee game. Um, I think they're waiting till he's 100% healthy. I think they realize the mistake they made two or three weeks ago bringing him back against Indy. And now they're just going to wait and w- wait till he's fully healthy. So I personally would be surprised if we saw him on Sunday, but it's so up in the air. You never really know. That's going to be <laughs> such an intriguing, like a gripping, gripping quarterback matchup. PJ Walker versus Clayton Toon. That's that's the one we all. <laughs> yeah. That's the one we all thought we were getting in week. N- <laughs> no, Deshaun yeah. and Kyler. Come on, that was supposed to be a good one. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so l- let's talk a little bit about the Browns. What what are the Browns at this point? What is what is what they do on offense? Obviously, with Nick Chubb gone, uh, it's a different dynamic. What is it that they try to do? What do they do well on offense? What do they struggle with on offense? And the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. Well, offensively, you'd think it's a completely different identity with Chubb gone, but they're still running the ball third most out of any team in the NFL. Now it's just a committee. It's Kareem Hunt. It's Jerome Ford. Um, it's Pierre Strong. Well, Pierre Strong actually had a good week last week, too. So now you kind of have three guys who you trust in the backfield. But they still run the ball at the third highest percentage in the NFL. Pass game, you never know what you're going to get. Obviously, Amari Cooper on the outside is a mismatch for a lot of teams. 
or for the Browns against a lot of teams, excuse me. And then they have guys like Elijah Moore and David Njoku. Like the playmakers are not lacking. They have offensive playmakers who can catch the football. Even Kareem Hunt has had a big role, big role in the pass game as well. It's the pass game built off the run is really good. The play action, the boots, all that is really good. They struggle when it's third and medium to long and drop back and you force PJ Walker to go make a play or make reads, things like that. That's where they really struggle offensively. I mean, defensively, one of the best units in the NFL, I had to, I had to reel back. I was hell bent on them being the best unit for about three or four weeks. And then the, uh, the Indianapolis game came around, but (laughs) they're one, one of the best units in the NFL, um, up front. I mean, they'll cut the head off the snake. They'll stop the run probably better than anybody in the NFL right now. Um, when you get into the drop back game, it's very similar. Like, can the Browns' corners win outside? They can go two for two with Denzel Ward and Martin Emerson, and they play a lot of man coverage. So a lot of times you have those guys on your two best receivers. What Seattle showed last week was that they can't go three for three or they cannot go four for four. The depth there, at least guys like Greg Newsom and other nickel corners who are coming in, they struggle against guys of quality receiver like Tyler Lockett or Jackson Smith and Jigba. So depth in the secondary is an issue, but other than that, defensively, they're, they're a really stout unit and they'll put you in really tough positions to try to go win on a third and eight. And you got Miles Garrett, Darius Smith and uh, Okoronkwo coming at you. You, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, well, it, and for that reason, while they, they they don't say that they're, they're not bringing back Kyler based on an opponent, if there's ever a week not to bring him back for the first time, it would be against this particular defensive unit. Um, yeah. When you don't have James Conner, when Amari DiMarcado is injured, the guy who ran for you know seven, eight yards last week against Baltimore. Looks great, 60 yards in the first half against Baltimore. Undrafted rookie out of TCU. Um, no James Conner, no Amari DiMarcado. Uh, Michael Wilson, no, Mike, no Zach Ertz. And so you're, you, <laughs> it yeah. feels like it feels like they are making Clayton Tune the sacrificial lamb this week, uh, yeah. in a game that uh, who knows and 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 who knows we we he did look good in the preseason, um, but yeah so PJ Walker how how does the game plan change so obviously we, there there is a clear talent difference between Deshaun Watson and PJ Walker though let, let's actually talk about Deshaun. Yeah. Is he is he the guy still? Like I, think I mean he's, obviously well, he's the guy for Cleveland. Yeah. But is he the guy that he was in Houston? Or did that year <laughs> off of football did that set him back to where he's not as special a player as he was? Well, I I can say confidently right now that he's not as special as a player as he was. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the year off of football. I don't know if it was the change of scenery. I also, and I was moderately outspoken about this before Deshaun Watson even left Houston, a lot of the numbers he had very inflated by a team that was trailing the entire game when he was in Houston those, those last couple of years. It was it was tough. Like The numbers were inflated. He's an unbelievable player at his best, but I think Browns fans were expecting a guy who would come in and be top three in the NFL in passing, all these big numbers, touchdowns, yards, all that. Everybody wants that. That's not the reality. And honestly, on a team as talented as the Browns, you just need a quarterback to manage. I think P.J. Walker's doing a good job with that. But Deshaun, at his best, we saw it the first game against Cincinnati, which was it was okay. The game against Pittsburgh was ugly. But when he came in and played against Tennessee, it was his, it was his best game as a Cleveland Brown. He threw for multiple touchdowns, over 200 yards. Like 
he looked like the closest to the Deshaun of old that we've seen, and he obviously got hurt in that game. So I don't know. I, I struggle to say the jury is still out. Like I, He's not the Deshaun that was in Houston. Can he get back to some semblance of that? Absolutely. I mean, you have a solid offense and offensive line in front of you. You have enough playmakers on the outside. There's enough there for him to come back, be 100% healthy, and be the quarterback they need him to be to win games. I don't know if he'll ever be back to the guy he was in Houston, but they could t- totally go to the promised land with him at quarterback with this roster for sure. Would Is that deal and subsequent contract – is it approaching regrettable or is it still and it's still worth it it's t- it's tough to say i i think every week that goes by that he doesn't play or he doesn't even play well it's regrettable but i actually just I just made a video about this earlier on today like because of everything that happened in the off season uh two off seasons ago excuse me he's are already the most one of the most if not the most scrutinized athletes in the media so like anything negative that happens with his play or he's taking an extra uh, week with his injury, it's going to be looked at even worse than it actually is. Like the that's the nature of the media. But yeah, that yeah. that's, Kyle, that's Kyler's in the same boat for other reasons. Like, like that. Yes. For some, there there is just a national. Like the there is a, a a tiresome national narrative about Kyler Murray that you know there were. I'm sure there were some elements to that but my goodness the things that they that that people say about him not knowing the young man the competitor he is it's it's rough that's that's a really tough thing to go through but and and obviously some of much of the issue is of Watson's own doing for yeah yeah for that other stuff that we don't need to talk about but (laughs) yes absolutely but I, I will say like when you look at the situation he's in right now, he's a quarterback nursing a shoulder injury on his throwing arm. Like to me, it's like, okay, like he should get healthy and be a hundred percent. And I think when he was quote unquote medically cleared for the Indianapolis game, that's not the same thing as a hundred percent. And I think he obviously rushed back and he said that, but I think everybody just assumed when he was back, he'd just be magically healthy. And that's not the reality of, life or football or the body like that it's I don't know it's it's a thing the injury that's gotten blown out of proportion it's frustrating especially because you pay him all that money and that's something that always needs to be said I feel like when you talk about Sean Watson but it's uh it's being blown out of proportion a little bit the injury is a little bit coming up next on the rise of Seward podcast the best of Cardinals talk on the web let's move on to the segment where we talk about matchups and keys what the Browns are going to want to do matchups that we're looking forward to that's coming up next on rise of Seward we're back on the Rise of Seward podcast. Our Cardinals talk on the web. Cardinals-Browns this weekend in Cleveland, Week 9. A gripping, gripping quarterback matchup that it might be. I mean, technically the teams are saying it could be Kyler Murray versus Deshaun Watson, <laughs> which is what we've been looking for. But when, the, yeah. when, you, when you see this matchup, you're like, yeah. But it's, <laughs> yeah, probably, exactly. it's, it, it's probably Clayton Toon and P.J. Walker. Um what are some matchups in like individual or or team kind of abilities? What are the matchups that you are most excited to see? Like as in they are the most favorable for Cleveland in this game. I think uh, just generally speaking with the Browns, anytime they dominate the line of scrimmage, they can win the game. But I think neutralizing the pass rush, I, the Jonathan Gannon defense will do so many different things to get after the quarterback and this offensive line. I think there's a a national narrative that people just think it's still one of the best in the league. 
they can run block. They struggle at times to pass block. So I, I think this offensive line being sure in pass rush, picking up any any blitzes, any people adding on is going to be huge. I think keeping P.J. Walker, assuming it is P.J. Walker, upright is going to be huge because on the outside, I, I like the Browns matchups. I like them a lot against a lot of people, but I do like them against Arizona. I think Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and those guys will, will have success. And then defensively, I think if the Browns continue to stop the run, they will win. Like that that's the big thing for me. And looking at some of the Cardinals games like you talked about last week, like they had success against Baltimore running the ball in the first half. I, I go back to that big game against Dallas when they won. Their huge plan was to put their star player Micah Parsons in space and go run at him that way. And they had their way on the ground. Granted it was James Conner. So I do think for the Browns, if they can they can stop the run, they can cut the head off the snake and then just go let their best players pass rush, they'll be fine there. But I, I think line of scrimmage on both sides is always super important, but this week especially. Yeah. Um that's a that's a matchup I'm worried about because Yeah. DiMarcado, there is nothing special about him as a runner. However, he does all the stuff pretty well. He doesn't yeah. have he's not imposing in size. He is not blazing fast. He passed like he, he made the team. He made the team and is in a draft rookie at a TCU. And he, he wasn't even a starter at TCU. <laughs> he yeah. was a backup there. Yeah. Is his ability to do the little things. Like he's he's good in pass protection. He picked that up really fast. Um, which, which matters. Is, and that matters. And that's what gave him an, uh, a, a role on this team. But what he's yeah. proven that he is, is steady. He's a very patient runner. Um, he, you, you won't see him try to bust thing he won't try to to pop out away from us he's going to be patient and he's going to follow the the plan he's going to get the yards that are there and maybe a little bit more but he's really patient he's really good at finding creases but he's not a big play guy and so he's a steady you might see a few 10 to 14 yard gains but it's not going to be anything special but there's a problem he hurt his toe last week and he didn't play in the fourth quarter and mm-hmm. i haven't seen the injury report today but as of wednesday he he didn't practice, which makes it look like they're going to be down James Conner. They're going to be down to Marcado, which means Keontae Ingram, a talented guy, but has looked yeah. absolutely atrocious <laughs> running the ball. I, I think at least mm-hmm. half his carries have been minus yards this year. <laughs> that is that is not good. But he's he's huge. He's a big big guy who can run, but doesn't have the awareness either the the either the line just hates blocking for him or he does not have the <laughs> awareness to to find the creases to get even small gains and that, so yeah. he's been he's had a couple of big double digit runs but most everything has been negative now um interestingly enough one area where the cardinals have done pretty well this year and that's covering the tight ends they gave up for the first time all season a touchdown to a tight end that was Mike Mar- to Mark Andrews, one of the best in the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How how do you see the the tight end matchup against this this Arizona defense with David Njoku? Well, to be honest with you, the Brown it's gotten better as of late. I will say that, but the Browns I feel like have been underutilizing Njoku a little bit. Like there hasn't been a a ton of just drop back passes that are targeted to him. A lot of times if he's getting the ball, it's in the screen game, which has worked really, really well. When he gets the ball, he's probably averaging close to 15 yards a catch. Like He's run after the catch guy. He's a tight end, but he moves like a receiver. So I don't know. I I think when you look at the Browns' pass attack, it's if you want to eliminate one guy over the other, like it's not a huge difference. Now, if you take Amari Cooper out of the game, it is. But like if you take Njoku out of the game, it's not – new there have been games where he's caught a ball or two like it's not new for Browns fans to see 
him not involved. Like if you were to not see Amari Cooper involved, that would be weird. Or Elijah Moore, that would be weird. So he's definitely the third option in the past game. It's interesting to see what, what they do this week, but he's definitely a third option in the past game. And if the Cardinals have been really good against tight ends. I did notice that too. And that touchdown last week was a pretty, it was a pretty freakish play like Lamar Jackson. I don't know if you saw the end zone angle. <laughs> it was, it was pretty ridiculous. I don't think PJ Walker will do that this week. <laughs> um, who do you see? Like, is it going to be a committee? Now the way the corners work, do they follow players or follow or stay in areas and if that's the case who do you see lining up uh, opposite Hollywood Brown uh primarily it it kind of depends on the game because there have been points where you where they follow certain guys like I, I know a lot of the Bengals game Martin Emerson who's a bigger guy would would go with T Higgins so if if somebody were to follow Marquise Brown it would probably be Denzel War he's a quicker twitchier guy um as for Martin Emerson he's a bigger longer guy that's why you didn't really hear DK Metcalf's name much last week as he was on him all game and matched up really well. But if if the Cardinals are to get Hollywood Brown on Emerson, I think that's a matchup that they would like. That's why if they do travel, I'd be shocked if it was not Denzel Ward, but we'll see. And then any other individual – so as you're looking at the, at the edge and mm-hmm. the – obviously, like – the Cardinals cornerbacks don't really, they don't really strike fear into anyone. Marco yeah. Wilson, like he, Marco Wilson, has the talent to be a high end corner. Has he done it? Yeah, he he looked absolutely like early in this season. He looked atrocious. Now he hasn't been bad the last few weeks, mm-hmm. but then they've got Antonio Hamilton. He's a journeyman at best. They've got an undrafted rookie, Star Thomas, uh, a fifth round rookie, Keytrail Clark. That's found himself kind of out of the rotation. Gary mm-hmm. Williams playing in the slot. He's just played two games since coming back from his torn ACL. He suffered at Syracuse. Um, mm-hmm. How do you see those? And, and then you look at where does Miles Garrett primarily? Does he primarily or does he move around a lot? Does he primarily line up over left tackle, right tackle? He he moves around a lot. He'll always be on the edge in the first and second down game, but in the third down game, he could be over the center. He could be in a two eye. He could be on the edge. Like he is literally everywhere. I'm sure you've seen the viral clips of him practicing his crossover <laughs> moves over the guard in the center. Like they'll line him up anywhere. That's what that's what Jim Schwartz does. That's what that defense does. But I don't know. He he's primarily on the edge. It's obviously dependent on the situation and the down, but him, Zadarius Smith, and honestly like I mentioned earlier, Okoronkwo as another depth guy. He's more of a speed guy. He's not an every down guy, but you get in the third and longs, I promise you you'll hear his name at one point tomorrow. Or Sunday, not tomorrow. Coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, Mr. Cardinals talking about. Let's talk about our predictions, outcomes. That's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, Mr. Cardinals talk on the web, episode 382, previewing Cardinals Browns with Believe in Browns Network uh, co-host uh, Max Loeb, who actually I, I forgot to mention his co-host is Eric Metcalf. Like I remember Eric Metcalf as a Cleveland Brown in the early <laughs> 90s, but Cardinals fans will also remember. He was also a member of the Cardinals, and I believe it was the 1998 year when he they went to the playoffs to beat the Cowboys. He was their he was their key returner, and man, on Tecmo Super Bowl, he was really good. <laughs> yeah, he also got hurt a lot too. Then on that game too, mm, damn. <laughs> he's a great he's, he's a great guy, great guy, great co-host as well. The podcast it's so much fun. I love it. So let, let's look at this game outcome. So offensively i don't like the the under is the 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 projected total 
so low. 37 and a half or 37. So to, it is so low. I See, the Cardinals defense did really well last week, but points wouldn't say you wouldn't think so. They only gave up mm-hmm. 268 yards total. They did a really yeah. a lot of good things, and they still gave up 31 points. I mm-hmm. Would it safe to say that the Browns probably aren't going to be able to put up 31 points if they only get 270 yards? Yes, I think so. If there's one, if there's one thing about the Browns, that, well, two things. One, I've noticed the Ravens are incredibly opportunistic. Like they get a short field, they get a turnover, they will. Yeah, score they were a they were four for four in the red zone. Um, yeah, and that that's basically what happened. The Cardinals, the Cardinals had two turnover turnovers and turned the ball over on downs twice, and that mm. was that was basically it. That's what they did. Yeah. Well, I don't know. the The Browns have struggled in the red zone. It's so different not having Deshaun Watson, and you wouldn't think so in the quarterback run game because P.J. Walker is still a guy that can move, but there's been a lot more quarterback. There was a lot more quarterback run, excuse me, with Deshaun Watson in the red zone, and that added a new element. We really haven't seen it much, but I don't know. I don't don't think the Browns will be able to put up a ton of points, Um, but, I mean, their defense, and I've talked about the Browns' identity, quote-unquote, their their identity is – capitalizing on the position that their defense puts them in. So that that's going to have to happen. The defense going to have to force turnovers, force short fields. Special teams will be a big part. I, I'd be shocked if they put up 31 points, to be honest with you. But <laughs> I, 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 I do think they could put up over 20. And I, I think Seattle's defense played well last week. They put up 20 points. Like, they're, they're good enough to do that. I sneaky think, I don't think the Cardinals are going to win, but I think it'll be an ugly close game. I don't yeah. like this whole eight-and-a-half-point spread when that's that is a lot that is a lot for two teams that are going to be playing with not great quarterbacks mm-hmm. um a one very good defense and one defense that has had really good moments this year mm-hmm. though that the, the that 37 37 and a half that's a really good line because i can totally see this like a 2017 or 2117 game, and that one point mm-hmm. makes the difference. It does make the difference. That's why <laughs> I, they get I paid a lot a of money at Las Vegas. I think have a lock, uh, and, and as honestly as you think it might be, I think a lock for a best bet for this game uh, on BetMGM, they've got um, both teams scoring a first-half touchdown at plus 130. Uh, the mm-hmm. Cardinals have scored a first-half touchdown in seven of their eight games this year and have given up. A first half touchdown in six <laughs> out of eight games. So it's like, and that's go. those are nice plus odds. And even though for you know both teams with with you know underwhelming quarterbacks, do you think that could be the case? And and what do you think the final score is going to be in this game? I could totally see that being the case because the Browns have struggled defensively to start games too. They last week against Seattle, they went down fourteen zero in the first quarter, then seventeen to seven early in the second quarter, and they didn't give up a touchdown until a minute left in the game. So I could see that happening for sure. I, I can't remember my exact score prediction, but I think I think that when you say the spread was eight and a half, that is the perfect number because I think the Browns either win by a touchdown or they win by 10. Like I, I think I think it's going to be a close game in the first half. The defense helps the Browns pull away in the second half. Oh, gosh, I can't remember the exact number I gave, but it was definitely it was under 37 points. I, I don't Ooh. think there's going to be a lot of. I want to say it was twenty-seven to not, uh, twenty-seven to ten, maybe. So that would, there you go. That would be the thirty-seven. But I, th- <laughs> I think it was twenty. I'll go twenty-four thirteen now. That makes a lot more sense. Twenty-four thirteen. I want to say it was around there when I said it a couple of days ago, but around there. I think it'll be just over one possession. 
And I and I think that the Cardinals will. Well, now granted, they got the they got the sneaky cover last week. I think mm-hmm. this will be. I think this will be fairly close, and I just think it'll be. I think both teams will end up struggling, and yeah. and so I, I I do think ultimately the Browns will win, but I think I've got it at about twenty one seven. And there's I think it's going to be twenty seventeen or twenty one seventeen. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a matter of do, is it going to be four scoring drives for Cleveland or or is it going to be three touchdowns? And so I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna say. I'm going to say 2017 and then the 37 and a half. You barely clear the under. Yeah. Or, or it's a push. I see, I've see. i seen lines exactly like the 37. I don't know why they don't put a put the hook on there <laughs> so so yeah. you don't have any pushes. I, I don't get why they why they ever do that, but they're smarter than me yeah. when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> yeah. They know how to make money. So, yes, exactly. Awesome. And exactly. now, uh, how many turnovers do you think will be in this game? Let's to- total turnovers. Yes, I'll say three, three or four. I think I, I I think, but I think both teams will turn the ball over in this. Yeah, game. I, I think, think I think PJ Walker is good for an interception. Yeah. yeah. So hey, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a, a like unless you're a, no one outside of fans of this game. Yes, agree. It's gonna want to watch this game. Oh yeah, they'll they will put maybe they'll put money on it. I'm sure. I'm sure some people will. <laughs> But no, this is this is going to be this is going to be a game that only a mother could love. I, I that, that that only your own fans will be interested in watching. Yeah, yeah. but Cardinals are going to be <laughs> Cardinals going to be one and eight. The Browns are going to be five and three, and College going to come back next week, and probably Deshaun Watson's going to come back next week too. Probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, we'll we will go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Rise of Spirit podcast. Mr. Cardinals talking about that's Max Loeb from the Believe Network, Believe in Bo- and Browns podcast. You can find him on the the social network formerly known as Twitter. I still call it Twitter. Uh, at okay. Loeb's needs. <laughs> who who calls it X? I don't know. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> over on Twitter, you can find him at Loeb's Leads, L-O-E-B-S Leads, uh, over there at Twitter. And you can find him on his podcast with, with Eric Metcalf, former Brown and former Cardinal as well. Um, and so, yeah, Max, thanks for coming on. We'll be back again next week on the next episode. Seth and I will be back to talk about the, the win, the loss, whatever happens, and hopefully <laughs> news about Kyler Murray. Thanks for listening, everyone. That is, that's it. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise Up Red Sea, Be Red Sea Red, and of course, Rise Up Sea Red. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. 
From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.